0: Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life, so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel, and ladies, I have a question for you. Are you tired of feeling like you're the one putting in all the effort to make your relationships work? Then go to speakingofpartnership.com right now and click on the big red Tell Me More button, and find out how you can get men to do their part. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I'm super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Barb Wade. Barb, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Ken. How are you?
0: I'm great. And for anybody listening that may not know Barb, she is a speaker, an author, a coach, and she has been on the leading edge of transformational coaching for over 15 years, Barb works with high achievers who, despite external accomplishments, are finding themselves yearning for more freedom, more joy, more meaning in their lives. Barb herself knows that 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 hole of quiet desperation, it can exist even though you have achievement at a very high level. Her clients, through an exploration of their truly authentic priorities, values, and dreams, release those relationships and circumstances that are draining and depleting them, and instead build lives that are vibrant and purpose-driven. Barb completed an MA in spiritual psychology as well as coaching training in 2000. She speaks frequently at conferences and on industry panels. She's been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS News, and Fox, and was the official on-air life coach for the Fine Living Channel for eight years. She lives in northern Colorado with her husband and two spirited daughters. Varb, take a minute and fill in any blanks from the intro, and give us a little glimpse into your personal life, if you would.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. It's always so funny to hear one's intro read, Yeah, (laughs) you know? Um, Well, I live in Northern Colorado. Um, I have a wonderful husband and two little girls, as you had mentioned. Um, I'll be sharing a a certain amount about my husband, Tim, as we talk today, because a lot of the learnings I've had in partnership have have involved that. I'll also be sharing a bit about some business relationships, too, because I think that partnership comes in in a variety of different forms. Um One of the things I can share is that um, Tim and I have been together twenty seven years which is which is a long time I don't meet a lot of peers of mine who have a relationship going back to age twenty two And um, we have really worked very hard on what this partnership looks like, and it has not always been easy, and we've come to the brink a few times. Um, Over the past several years, he began working as a part of my company, which added additional complexity, which perhaps I'll get a chance to talk about as well when you're now business partners, as well as married, as well as parenting partners. Um, So that's something that um, I have some experience sharing, how how to kind of weather the nuances of that. And um, I've recently, I think I'll just share this one brief thing, uh, returned to a focus in, um, as you mentioned, really transformational personal growth for high achievers, helping people really um, look at the, the, the successes they've built and whether, whether those are really serving them anymore and really get uh, authentic about who they are, what they really want, what would give them meaning and purpose and um, that's the work I love to do and can I only mention that because you and I met when I was really focused in business coaching and for 16 years I've been a coach I had a little foray into business coaching for a few years that I think you know was um, extremely successful externally right but really wasn't the truth of what I love so uh, I made a big bold decision and and put that on hold despite um, you know over 20,000 people on my mailing list and you know, being somewhat known in, in this industry and, and have reclaimed the niche that I'd been working in for the first 10 years of my coaching business. And um really happy to be back.
0: Well, that's fantastic. You know, Barb, I, I got to ask you, because one of the things that, that intrigues me is, what keeps people on track and obviously specifically around partnership, because I found it helps to have a guiding principle on some people. It's a, you know, a quote that they reference or something that just kind of brings them back when they get a little bit off in the weeds. And I'm wondering what does that for you?
1: Well, I do. I have a quote about partnership. I actually like like a lot that I'll share. And it's um, it says only in relationship can you know yourself not in abstraction, and certainly not in isolation. And the reason I love that so much, because I consider relationship a partnership of sorts, Um, is that it really is true for me it's through relationship with others that I actually do get to know myself certainly if I was in abstraction or isolation I wouldn't have that feedback loop I wouldn't get to see how I show up in relationship to other people I wouldn't get to see where my triggers are where there's an opportunity for deeper learning for me deeper healing for me so this quote to me reminds me that partnership and relationship is actually a piece of my own evolution, my own spiritual growth uh, on the planet in this lifetime is, is uh, accelerated in the, in the context of partnership where I'm actually confronted with a lot of opportunities to see how I show up, learn more about myself, and make empowered change.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, to me, relationship and partnership are basically synonymous. And, you know, we kind of use them interchangeably. And what I'd love to do now, Barb, is is kind of dive into what was it's kind of the meat of the show. It's what our, our listeners tell us they love most, which is the stories that our guests share. And where I'd like to start is if you would take us to a time in your life when, yeah, well, you kind of tripped up in a partnership and just give us that story. What were you doing? You know, what'd you trip on? And then what were you able to learn from that experience that helped you move forward?
1: Well, Ken, there are so many. <laughs> I think that part of learning and living is, is dancing in these partnerships and, and, and tripping up and, and having successes and hopefully growing with each one. Um, there's one I actually will raise in particular because it had to do with a mentor. And um, I think it's an interesting type of partnership. And the the trip up I made was that I hired a, a mentor who was uh, to help me grow my business. and. It was a a wise decision at the time. I had some goals and some intentions around where I wanted to go, and I was looking for a good mentor to take me there. The place I tripped up is I forgot in a way that this was partnership, and I I began to give my authority to this person. So what I mean by that is it was someone with a very strong personality who had very strong opinions about my business and what I should do in my business. And I I felt, well, I'm paying this person an awful lot of money to be the expert, and they probably know better what I should do. And so I was, um, you know, strongly encouraged to pursue certain types of, you know, business models and, and a certain uh, amount of different things I was doing um, that really wasn't aligned for the quality of life I wanted. And... I really made the mistake. I, for a little while there, got caught giving my power away and forgetting that, wait, this is partnership, you know, in a funny way, uh, you work for me. Like, I actually, you know, I actually forgot, like, I've hired you to to work for me, to to help me grow my business. Um, And I only say that because I only laugh at it that way, because I put this person on a pedestal of authority and really second guess myself. And really second guess what I knew to be true. And so what ended up happening is I ended up building a business that was, as I've mentioned a little earlier, um, really big and exhausting. And I was working, you know, around the clock. And there was a year I um, I launched five programs, did two one-day events that were live, did, did a three-day live event, and hosted a on it. And that whole time, I I... I was trying, not well, to say, mm, this is not the quality of life I'm in this for. This is, I'm burning out. This is too much. But I fell prey to guilt. I fell prey to a strong personality. And one of the regrets I really have is that particular year, I, I was not as present with my little girls as I wish I had been. And it's part of why I made a major change. I released that mentor um, and, and took my power back and really realigned with the direction of my career and my real zone of genius, but I won't get that year back. I won't get the depletion uh, back, You know, fix the depletion of that year, and I won't be able to be with my kids during that age that they were. I was there, I mean, it's not that I was not here, but um, I was living in, uh, in a lot of stress and a lot of distraction. So um, what tripped me up really is forgetting it was a partnership and elevating the other person to a higher level of authority than myself.
0: I'm so glad you shared that Barb. Uh not because only because it's a, you know, really powerful story, but we do this so often. I know I've certainly done that with coaches and even in, you know, romantic relationships you can put somebody on a pedestal or defer to their choices. And I typically put all that into the category of boundaries. And it's so fascinating because the more uh I've explored boundaries and and how those play out, where we kind of tend to think, "Oh no, that's you can't just say no to that person. they're you know I paid them to to coach me or whatever it is. The irony is when you hold a boundary and and you really defend it, you get respected
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and it actually makes people appreciate you more as opposed to go, uh, oh, she's just a doormat
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh. and
0: but we give that up so easily. And so I, I'm so glad you shared that because I, I've certainly done that with coaches. And you're like, what am I doing? That's not at all the direction I want to go. Right. And, okay. you know, sometimes you take it like you were talking about where it's like, I'm doing all this stuff working like mad. And it's not even where I want to go. Right. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and right. then you check in and hopefully catch that at some point like you did and and can make a transition. But thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: So I'm I'm going to ask you another question. It's 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 similar, but there's there's differences here. And that's why I like to explore this. And what I'm wondering, Barb, is if you would share a, a little story of a time when you had I call it a duh moment. You know, one of those times where you just kind of go, how have I missed this? I can't believe I've been such a knucklehead. And share with us what happened that then you were able to take that wake up moment and make it a building block for your future partnerships.
1: That's a really good one. Um, I, think, I think what I'd have to say, because this was really big, it was really pretty profound. And I think the first place I noticed it and, and learned it was within marriage uh, and in my relationship with Tim, although I've utilized it considerably since. And what it was, and, and it's so easy to do this, but initially I was collapsing two concepts together. And the concepts were, if he loved me, he would, and then fill in the blank, whatever my request had been. So let's say I asked him to, you know, stop at the cleaners and pick up my dry cleaning or, um, you know, would you do this, uh, you know, thing for the kids? And, you know, I, I don't even know what the example would be. It doesn't matter. But what I started realizing is I was jumping to assumptions in partnership that, If he loved me, he'd pick up the dry cleaning. So if he forgot, I would take that as a, well, screw this. You know, he doesn't respect me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't appreciate me. He didn't help me. So what I was doing is kind of collapsing an interpretation with the fact that he'd forget to do something. Or he would say, no, I can't get the kids on that particular day. I've got this going on. You're going to need to do it. And I think, well, if he loved me, he would sometimes get the kids. And, you know, so I would always be more hurt than I needed to be um, of my own doing because I was again drawing a conclusion that somehow it represented his, his loving me or his respect for me or his commitment to partnering with me whether he could or couldn't accommodate a request. And I'll be honest with you, it was a therapist years ago who pointed out to me, huh, does that really mean he doesn't love you if he forgot to bring the dry cleaning? It was kind of a funny thing at the moment, and and I was asked, "What are are all the ways that he shows he loves you?" And I had all these ways he shows he loved me, you know. So how interesting this therapist said that you're kind of collapsing. If he loved me, he would make this a priority. Versus, oh, that's annoying. He forgot, but I don't have to attach such a big meaning. Uh, to the event that isn't necessarily remotely associated. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I think it's a very common common behavior that goes on where we attach things to. Oh, that must mean this. It could be like, well, it has, there's no association there whatsoever.
1: Hmm. Hmm. You know, one of the learnings from that was um, that. We really need to check things out and, and not expect to read each other's minds either, right? Because, um, you know, something might mean one thing to him and, and it means something different to me. And without communicating, uh, I might have the assumption, well, this must mean he doesn't respect me. And he wouldn't feel that way in a million years. And I'm reading his mind. I'm deciding what he feels and what he thinks. And then guess what? I'm taking umbrage at it. And then I'm getting upset around something I've made up in my own mind. Now talk about a way to really uh, undermine partnership.
0: Yeah, indeed it is. And, and I would even go further and say probably 95% of the time what it means to you isn't what it means to him. Right. Because we're just <laughs> wired differently. And when we assume they're going to have the same viewpoints and they're going to have the same, you know, attachments to things or, or importance on things, we're really creating a lot of false expectations. And it's, it's something that I, I do a lot of work with folks around is, you know, when you can understand your partner, well, then you can appreciate them and work in harmony. But when you don't, we take things personal. Mm-hmm. And just like you're saying, oh, that must mean he doesn't love me or it could mean he was distracted when you asked him that or he just simply forgot and he's a human being or you know, who knows what hundreds of other things it could be. But because we don't understand and aren't really aware of the possibilities because we think, well, I wouldn't have done that. That would have meant that for me.
1: Everyone must think like I do.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Which, I mean, it makes sense that we think that way because that's what we're aware of. That's what we have experience with. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's a really great story. Thank you, Barb.
1: You know what that led us to, I'll also mention really quickly, is um, an even deeper discussion of how do you feel the most loved? And it turns out the things that to me make me feel the most loved are one set of things and the things that make him feel the most loved are, are a different set of things. And by knowing that, he can love me in the way I, I enjoy it, that I feel received, that I feel seen and witnessed, and I can do the things for him or behave in the ways for him that make him feel really loved and respected. And one would not have known they were so different had we not actually had that conversation. So it's kind of a similar thing about assuming the other person even you know, experiences the expression of love the same way you do. Oh, or respect or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And and there's, you know, fortunately, there's some amazing resources out there now to help people identify that. Because, it, again, if it's not your way of receiving love, let's say, well, then how are you going to guess what theirs is? Because it doesn't make you feel that. So why would you offer it?
1: <laughs> right.
0: It's like, well, that makes me feel very uncomfortable. Why would I offer that to him? right well because it makes him feel very very good (laughs) and you're like how um you know it's the classic of people that like to speak and people that don't most people don't and so they don't understand how anybody can just be like yeah i'll go up and talk in front of the room yep why would you do that that's a horrifying event no no, (laughs) it's not how can it not be right because that's our only experience so yeah it, it definitely makes a huge difference well let's shift gears a little bit barb what I'd like to do is, is have you share a story of one of your proudest partnership moments. And this could be romantic. It might be family, career, you name it. But what I usually look for is something that when I think back on that moment in partnership, it makes me smile. What's one of those for you?
1: I think I'd have to say something in the arena of The co-parenting, and the reason I I raised that one is, and I'll give you a more specific example, but it's such a fraught area because all of a sudden your children's well-being is in the balance. You know, and I don't mind making choices where I might make a poor choice and I might suffer from it. But when it comes to now these innocent children and and, you know, wanting to do things as as correctly, quote unquote, as possible for them to thrive and to not cause them hurt, not cause them pain. All of a sudden, you know, one's need to control can kick in right? Um, and the stakes feel higher. And what Tim and I have have had happen a few times Um that I, that I am proud of, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different answer to your question because it has to do with melting down versus a proudest, you know, moment of, wow, we really came together on that one. Um, but it's really accurate it, is that um, there are a couple of things I'll, I'll mention. One is that we've gotten really good at swooping in when the other one's going to lose it and taking over. And I really think that's a critical part of partnership. Like if I'm going to lose it with the girls or if he's going to lose it with the girls because we're stressed, we're exhausted, whatever they're doing is annoying and we're frazzled and we're about to enter a very not grounded state. Um, we have a really good a- a- awareness and-, and the other parent will pop in and go, honey, I'm take- let me take over. Why don't you go take a little break? Girls, come with me. Come on, come downstairs with me and and literally intervene to move them out of the line of fire and help the other one of us realize we're on the tipping point to kind of losing it, you know, to kind of breaking down and not showing up as a parent the way that we want to. And I've been pretty proud of that. I've been pretty proud that, you know, we're, we're we've got each other's back in that way. We have a shared commitment to the girls and we've got each other's back because as normal human beings, we lose it and we get to the breaking point mm-hmm. and. Um, I really, I really definitely acknowledge Tim especially. Um, but really both of us for kind of catching that and like like just swooping those kids <laughs> out of the way and, and queuing to the other one, you need a timeout. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah. No, that I, I love that example because it, it definitely is. I mean, obviously, what more partnership could there be than having each other's back? But the other thing that that is there is the partnership with the kids of like you said making sure they don't get in the line of fire from something that really probably has nothing to do with them. They just may be the trigger to a stressful day. That's like the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. And it's like, well, there's no reason for you to be receiving that. Right. <laughs> there's no way you'll ever understand that. It'll totally like right. skew your reality of, Oh, well, that's not a, don't ever do that with dad. It's like, yep. no, that's, that's not what that means at all. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, It's really great. And and the other thing I, I love about that, Barb, is that is something that you developed. It's not something that like we just naturally always had this ability. You had to pay attention to each other to be actually even before you were probably even aware you had each other's back. The fact that you were paying attention to learn this about each other was having each other's back.
1: That's accurate. Yep. And we even got to the point of talking about it. Like, you know, we both know we want our children's highest good and we can both be hitting that breaking point. And we even at one point, because it was starting to happen, we were noticing it like you're mentioning, Ken, and it was kind of happening from awareness. And it's not like we melt down too often. It's pretty few and far between. But one day we did have a conversation like, do I have your permission to swoop in and tell you to take five without it triggering you further, without you being like, I've got this under control, you know? If I come in and swoop in and say, girls, come downstairs with me, Tim, why don't you take five? Like, can that be our symbol? Like, can that be our our cue that uh, you seem like you're you're losing your center and I'm going to just get these guys out of the way? And uh, we agreed to that because without that agreement, I might have felt condescended to if he came up and told me to take a little break. Or I might have felt like he was usurping my authority or who knows what, especially if I was in a stressed out, frazzled place. So we agreed, OK, we're going to have this agreement to trust each other that when when someone comes in and does that, they're saying, honey, I love you, but you're you're losing it. <laughs> you're not going to uh, behave in a grounded way and you'll regret it later. So I'm swooping in and taking over and you go take a break. And the pre-existing commitment to that also has made it easier when someone does break in in that way.
0: Yeah, that's that's so important because it, actually it's interesting because uh on on many of the recent interviews the topic of permission has come up and it's just like you're talking about do do i have permission to do this because i don't want to make it worse by going take five but that could happen if the person isn't in agreement with that and they take it as an affront to how they're parenting right then and instead they're like oh you're noticing yep you're right i'm about to blow up Mm -hmm. or you may actually have caught it before i did right so We have that agreement that if you see that, even if I don't think I'm going there, I'm still going to take that break and I'm not going to take it personally. Right. Absolutely.
1: And we can debrief later, but we know that's kind of a DEFCON, you know, (laughs) intervention.
0: Yeah. And and the other thing that that creates is there's no judgment. Mm -hmm. You're not saying you're screwing up because you may talk later and they're like, yeah, actually, I was good, but that's okay. I'll take that break.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why not?
0: Nice, nice. Well, Barb, we've arrived at what I call the, the bring it all home portion of the show. And this is where we step away from the questions. And I ask you to provide some simple, concrete guidance for our listeners so they can take it and apply it to their partnerships right now. And Where I'd like to start is I'm wondering what is the best partnership or maybe it's relationship advice that you have ever received?
1: Wow, gosh, there are a few things that come to mind. Um, I'll say a few quickly. One is that in real partnership, if you really are committed in love to the other person, then you realize that that is a commitment to their absolute highest good, no matter what that is, and no matter the the impact or the um, you know the 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 challenge it may bring you. Uh, and that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. But you know, when you really partner with someone, you you're a stand for their highest good, and you will support their highest good, even if it means you say, you know what, you need to spread your wings and fly off without me, and and you know, become a solo author. I'm pretending it might be a business colleague, right? You're on the, the cusp of it, and you've got that level of talent, and that's what you really want. And I'm not drawn to that. So as much as I I hate to change this. I'm so committed to your highest good. You you need to go. You need to go do that. So I I like holding partnership as a commitment to the other person's highest good, no matter what. Um, The other thing I would mention is that really, gosh, there's so much, um, as I said, throughout the whole call today or interview today about assumptions. And so the second piece of advice I would have is um, create a living vision for what you want the partnership to look like up front. What are the desires? How would you like the person to show up? How would you like communication to be handled? What are the things that are important in terms of how you receive and experience respect and love? Um, because that, that would have saved us so many misinterpretations to have, at the beginning um, as, a, as a wonderfully powerful and loving exercise to create a vision of what would a rich, robust partnered relationship look like so we can make some agreements and understand each other better.
0: yeah Yeah. two really good pieces of advice there and and i just wanted to to maybe add something to the last piece there about the creating the agreement is remembering that it's going to be needed to be updated yeah because it's going to evolve and it's really easy to go well we did that once doesn't that stand forever well odds are no Um, so you need to be willing to go okay we need to check back in. And do a little polish of that to see if there's things we need to refine, because otherwise we're going to, again, create false assumptions just because we created an agreement 23 years ago.
1: Exactly. Because my needs at 22 were very different than they are now. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me ask you this then, Barb. What, what would you recommend as a, a book or a resource that you feel is just the one that really stands out for you and why?
1: Well, you know, I have to point to Brene Brown, and I know a lot of people are talking about her right now. Uh, I'm also one of them, and I'll tell you why. Her work on um, – in fact, it's the book – the book I'd recommend of hers the most is not her most recent. There's a book called uh, The Gifts of Imperfection that I have found Incredible. Just incredible. Um, Because it takes us into the ways that we judge and condemn ourselves and then the mutant behavior that comes out of that and influences our relationships right? So we are critical of ourselves because we're imperfect. We go to a shame response. We don't want to be vulnerable with other people. We shut down or we act um, in response or reaction to the shame. So we puff up or we become, you know, try to become powerful. And all of these are are kind of dysfunctional responses to self-judgment. And then of course, imagine how that uh, impacts everyone we interact with including our most primary relationships so um, i really respect a lot of the work she's done on shame and vulnerability it's a, a wonderful topic that people haven't spoken about before but that particular book the gifts of imperfection um it's a quick read it's an easy read and uh, it'll make a difference
0: yeah that's that's a fantastic book i love brene's work and you're right she's She's very much in the mainstream right now, and I'm glad because it is an unspoken <laughs> topic that that people just don't address. Why would you want to talk about shame? But we all have it, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if it's just personally, and you read the book, there's so much there. So thank you for recommending that.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure, sure.
0: So the thing I'd like to to leave our listeners with here, Barb, is an example of what I call the payoff of partnership. And what this I'm looking for is a specific example of something where you were able to do or create or experience something that you wouldn't have been able to do unless you were in partnership.
1: Wow, you know, that would have to be something that goes back to that quote I mentioned at the beginning, right, that it's in partnership that things are revealed that simply can't be revealed alone if you're in isolation. I think one of the things would actually be that I think, oddly enough, my entire career, which now is, you know, I am a coach. I've been coaching for 16 years. I'm in the field of transformational personal growth and empowerment. Um, I wouldn't even be if it wasn't for uh, weathering the, the dynamics that I went through with with Tim uh between you know 22 and 32 you know for about 10 years i was not in this field i was in the entertainment industry and worked in hollywood and um was a corporate executive and very externally successful that's my story the external success which is really you know trying to make up for the 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 hole of worth inside the hole around worth inside um But I would say that in partnership where someone's been um, willing to say the hard things, willing to give me the feedback that might be painful, um, willing to, to, again, hold me up to a higher standard of what I'm capable of, of, of doing and who I'm capable of being has been the cause of my, you know, not only having my own growth to the level that I have, but literally saying I have to now do this with my life you know nothing has been more significant than my personal growth as a human being as a spiritual being you know these 10 years that 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 you and I Tim and I have worked so hard on our relationship and our spirituality and and, and how we show up and where we're triggered and and such a level of deep introspection and I I really changed so much, I actually have to now move into this field. There could not be a bigger service I could do for the world than help other people with these same kinds of of transformational experiences and this kind of really rich personal growth. And so I'd, I'd really say my my whole career and my being of service in the world stemmed from uh, uh, the the massive payoff of partnership and then the the mirror that that was
0: uh, for me, that that was for me. Yeah, that's that is a great example. Thank you. You know, Barb, I'm just thinking here because clearly you are an incredible resource of, of guidance and, and information for folks. And I'm wondering if you would do us a favor and let our listeners know how they can contact you. How, how can they learn more about what you do and what you have available?
1: Well, um, first place would be my website, I'm sure, it, easy enough, which is barbwade.com, B-A-R-B-W-A-D-E.com. And if you add forward slash love, so barbwade.com forward slash love, you actually get access to um, uh, an ebook called Love Versus Fear, How to Make Spirit-Led Choices for a Prosperous Life. And it's one of my favorite resources, it's, it's, uh, it breaks down how you, you determine the subtle and insidious motivations underneath your decision making, underneath what's a yes and what's a no, and how to recognize what fear-based decisions look like, which are usually rooted in the need to control or the fear you're going to miss out on something or some kind of scarcity or some kind of anger, um, resentment. Or the, the decisions made from faith and, and trust and generosity and, and creativity, which are, are variations on love and how to, to use this tool. It's a, it's a fabulous tool to, to deal with any decision you have to make, you know, to really look at the choices and ask yourself, OK, what decision comes from fear? What decision comes from love? Uh, and it walks you through that process. So that's, again, at barbwade.com forward slash love. And it's a, a gift for anyone who would like it.
0: Thank you. That's very generous. Sure. Well, Barb, we have got to the end of the show now, and I I just want to thank you. It's been great to reconnect with you and and what you've been able to share and and the transformation that you've made in your personal and professional life that, that I've been witness to is just gorgeous. So thank you very, very much for being on the show.
1: My pleasure, Ken.
0: Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web.